Hello, everyone. I'm Brian Carrington, and you're listening to Call Talk for June 14, 2017. If you're listening live, I want to invite you to be part of the show, and it's easy. You just can ask some questions via email. Email me at brian at benchmarkportal.com. That's B-R-I-A-N at benchmarkportal.com. I want to remind everyone that all of our shows are archived and available to listen to at any time that's convenient for you at our website, benchmarkportal.com. So at this point, I'd like to go ahead and jump right into the show today and introduce the host of Call Talk, Bruce Belfiore. Thank you very much, Brian. And uh, today we're going to be talking about some interesting things with an interesting person. So despite all the talks about bots and a- artificial intelligence and agents that won't be there, in fact, uh, frontline agents are going to remain the lifeblood of most contact centers. Finding them, screening them, onboarding them, motivating them, coaching them, and holding them accountable uh, remain major challenges for call center managers. So to talk about these issues, I've invited an old friend and contact center guru, Mike Tamer, to the show. Welcome, Michael. How are you doing? I am very well, Bruce. It's so nice to speak with you. Okay, well, good. Well, you know, Michael has been a serial entrepreneur in the contact center space, and he started a long time ago. Michael, tell us how long ago you started in this industry. When dinosaurs were roaming the earth is when I started. <laughs> so, so I've been... I've been in the call center industry or contact center industry or whatever you might want to call it since 1980. So a mm. long, long time ago. This is before some of our listeners were born, Michael. This is a little frightening. <laughs> this is before most of our listeners were born. So, yeah, I'm, I'm even afraid to. I, I, I've used the pitch all the time that says, you know what, I, you know, I started when I was 10, but that doesn't work anymore. So, um, yes, we've seen a lot, haven't we? Yes, we have. Yeah, and in that time, you uh, you know were involved with automatic call distributors. In fact, you were telling me that you were there when they were inventing the term call center. Is that right? You know what? So, so actually, it was two guys. It was a guy by the name of Gordon McPherson and um, Jim Carricker, and on a um, and they did it on a cocktail napkin, right? And came up with the term call center, which then turned into Aspects seven foot by three foot box way back when they started with automatic call distributors. And there was kind of Rockwell International Data Point and Aspect at the time that were selling seven foot by three foot boxes. And I, um, I ran a company called Technicron Infoswitch until 1980, it started in 1989. And in that time, we switched from a seven foot by three foot automatic call distri- distribution box to what people would now know as quality monitoring. So we were the first company that came out with quality monitoring. And again, back in the dinosaur days, I was actually there with the FCC when they approved the term for companies to be able to manage your call may be monitored for quality purposes. So, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes, so yep. it's been around for quite some time. And, you know, it was uh, sort of at that period of time that we got to know each other through Dr. John Anton, who's one of our founders here at Benchmark Portal, and uh, who uh, encouraged you to write your book, uh, The Four-Minute Customer, et cetera. So that's, it's been a long so, time. It has been a long time. So, so again, you know, at the turn of the century now, right, at the turn of the century, sold the company. Um, Technicron became eTalk Corporation, sold it, uh, was getting ready to put my own shingle out. So I flew to Santa Barbara to spend some time with Dr. John and get a little direction on where we're going and, and, and started a company, hired some of my former customers because I thought there was an opportunity to do some work at the, um, 
at the agent to supervisor relationship. I just thought that, that, that the market needed something there. So we started doing training. We did a program called Top Rep. Um, we were doing some consulting. We were doing some roadmap work. And during that time, um, clients were, were, were asking about customer experience. And so I, I've since um, started a company called Proponacy. And, and, and our, our platform, which is called the Customer Driven Manager, is a little like a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Um, got a little bit of chocolate, a little bit of peanut butter. It's, it's taken the voice of the customer and merged it with this frontline to supervisor agent relationship. And as a result, um, you know, we come out with a, you know, a voice of the customer platform that's designed with a call center in mind. Mm, that sounds good. I mean, the uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cup uh, analogy sounds really good. And I think you have a couple other layers in there. Maybe it's more like, um, uh, you know, putting the uh, marshmallow on the chocolate on the, uh, you know, getting a s'more there. But, uh, <laughs> well, so, so, you know, that, that's so, good so, stuff. So the, thing, so the thing is, is, you know, is that, you know, when you approach this market, which I know you already know, call centers are just different. And it's just, it's just a very, very, very odd duck. And, mm-hmm. and when you begin to look at, you know, voice of the customer through the prism of the call center, it just looks completely different. And so, you know, that's something that we've, we've seen over and over again, you know, out in the marketplace and um, having a background in quality monitoring, you know, this right. concept of how do I keep track of, you know, these people whose entire work product is on the phone, you know, four to six times a, a month with a QM, there's got to be a better way and more ways to, um, to make use of the customer. Exactly. And, you know, these are the questions that are on the minds of a lot of our listeners. So uh, this is great that you're here to talk about them because the thread throughout your career really is a combination of contact center employees and technology. In other words, trying to figure out how to optimize uh, personal productivity while maximizing happiness at the same time, because obviously you want to retain people. So, in fact, you have uh, talked about the uh, uh, customer journey, the voice of the customer. You also have a... uh, something that you talk about, which is the voice of the call center. Could you talk to us a little bit about that? Well, it's this, it's this vision of looking at the prism of the voice of the customer through the voice of the call center. If you, if you look at voice of the customer, most people will tell you that it really kind of fits into four terms. You kind of collect, you analyze, you share, and then you act. But in most instances, when you act, you, you, you know, the action is to send it other places and then keep track of what's happening. Well, in the, in the call center, it, it's a little bit different because we just can't act. It's not just something that we can do. We, when we find something out about the customers, we can't just pull everybody into a, into a conference room and sit down and, and have a meeting with the whole group. If I want to work on a particular employee that's, that's, that's got an individual issue, it's very hard to take them to lunch. So, so call centers are different, and, and so we've got to find unique and different ways to try to, to try to drive the customer experience through one of the integral parts of it, which is this frontline agent. And let's face it, most companies are dealing with this same problem, right, is that today the very worst employee you have is going to talk to more customers than your most high-fluent marketing executive may talk to in a month. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so no, I think one that, bad that's apple key, does yeah. spoil the old bunch through, right? So, yeah. so, so yeah. You've, no, got that, have, it, you've got to have a way to – and everybody's different, right? Every single rep is different. So we've got to have some sort of a way to, to solve the problem universally but do it one individual at a time. And that is the challenge of all call centers and contact centers, and it's why we embrace all these different technologies and all these different ideas. And, 
I mean, think about it. We've taken our most inexperienced employee, right? We've given them, in most instances, sadly, a low-paying wage with a 30 mm-hmm. to 50% turnover rate. We connect them with the most valuable asset we have in our company, which is our customer, and we hope and pray everything turns out okay. Right. And, right. you know, so they're, they're, critically, they're critical important, and let me stop there. Let me get off my soapbox for a second there. Yeah, no, I, I, but those are such critical things because I think when you're talking, therefore, about the voice of the customer, in a way you're talking about the culture of the contact center. And it's, uh, you know, is it going to be a supportive one? Is it going to be one where the right people are there to begin with, right, which goes back to the things that you did earlier on in your career in terms of uh, screening and things like that? Is it, uh, are they properly onboarded and made to feel supported uh, when they're there? Are they properly trained? Because uh, if they don't get the right training and they don't have access to the right information uh, and the right technology, then it, it doesn't matter. They can be trying as hard as they want, but they haven't been given the tools and the training that's needed to actually, uh, you know, make the difference in terms of, uh, the voice of the call center and making sure that, that the voice that comes back from the customer is a satisfied voice. Um, well, and, and yeah, it, so these if you think about it, if crucial. you think about it, Bruce, right, we, if you think about it, we, most, most organizations embrace the diversity because we've got all these different people in our call center. I mean, some want to, I mean, most people don't grow up and say, I want to grow up and work in a call center, right? They're, they're future doctors, they're future politicians, they're future actors, maybe they're going to be business people. Maybe this is the perfect, unique job for them, and they are going to be in the call center for, you know, forever. And, and if they are, that, that's wonderful and, and that's spectacular. But we, so we've got this group of people. We've given them, you know, to a supervisor that's got a 1 to 15, 1 to 30 ratio, and, and, and we feel the pain of that frontline manager. And so, so, so you go, where can we get help? And, and in our opinion, the best place to get help is, is where is, is the most accurate, credible, reliable, um, and, you know, resource that you can get. And that is the customer because they're on every transaction with the, you know, with the employee, they're as engaged as they could possibly be. It may be the most important call that that customer makes during the day. And right. So, so we think they're the perfect resource to train, motivate, engage, retain, uh, you know, th- that frontline agent. Okay. Let's talk about how that can happen. So let's bring it down to earth for our listeners here and say, okay, we've identified the problem and the challenge, and you've identified the, uh, the, the fix, which is trying to get the cu- voice of the customer uh, to the head, uh, into the ears of the agent. Uh, tell us about how that gets done. All right. So, so let, me, let me start with a test question for you, right? You answer this question for me. Which one of these is more valuable? Either A, the question is, um, what was the level of the customer service agent's um, service to you? Would you grade it on a 1 to 5? And the customer rates it 4.5. Is that more valuable? Is it more valuable for the comments that says, you know what? I thought the rep did a good job, but they spoke a little fast. Um, You know, they should slow down more. Which one's more valuable? Mm. Interesting. Okay, so uh, in a sense, what the market looks for today is number A, but if you're, you're a coach, you're probably looking for B, right? Well, so, so, so twofold. Um, number one, if I were to, add, if I were to give you 5,000 responses, right, and say that after 5,000 responses of all your service reps, the, you got a 4.6, and you only got one response back, and that response was, you know what, um, I like the rep, they did a good job, but ABC Corporation down the street always sends us a follow-up email. And I really like that. I wish you did that. Right. So, mm-hmm. so, so you, you've changed, changed rules a little bit. The, the key component to learn is, is that the manager, right. 
doesn't really like the words because they don't know what to do with them because they're very hard to chart, right? So the manager wants the trend line, but the frontline rep, what changes the frontline behavior of the rep is the customer's words. And so mm-hmm. if we can get those customer words in the hands of the frontline rep, you know, that says, hey, I liked what they did, you know what, they, um, you know, but they could have talked a little, uh, a little slower. Well, you know, if one person says that, maybe they don't say anything, but if four or five customers start to say that, the rep says, hey, maybe I need to change that because they don't have another, they don't have another point in the game. It doesn't matter whether they like them or not. They're just giving them feedback. So, so, so one of the ways is to let the customers, you know, the customers' comments and the customer scores drive the behavior of the, of the frontline rep. And then the second way that, you know, so now I've given the supervisor a chance that they've got 15 people that all have 15 different areas that they're working on. Well, now I've, in, in, I've in engaged thousands of customers to help me work on those particular parts that the reps need to work on. Mm-hmm. Make sense? Wow. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so in terms of actually doing that, uh, for our listeners, you know, they can think about uh, the fact, are you now even getting customer feedback through a survey? What kind of a survey is it? Is it a survey that goes out once a year? Because that's not going to give you the kind of information you need that goes down to the agent level. Uh, or is it something that's a post-call survey that's uh, immediate, uh, email, uh, phone, IVR-based, etc., that gets you that kind of information, can be identified down to the agent level, and includes, as you indicated, that open-ended question at the end, that says uh, something like, you know, what's one thing we could have done better or what's one thing you didn't like or whatever. The open-ended question, uh, usually one like, what's one thing that we could have done better for you, which gives that uh, information to the agent at the agent level, can be talked over with the supervisor, with the coach, et cetera. But it's that nugget of information, it's that pearl that helps them get better. So, we look at you're you're dead on. We look at at at, at uh, reps that are in the in the call center. We um, we talk to them about it being a garden, right? In that garden, you have roses, daisies, and weeds, right? So roses are your roses are the most beautiful flower there is. The White House doesn't have a daffodil garden. It doesn't have a gardenia garden. It's got a rose garden, right? But roses are <laughs> a little bit prickly. Roses roses are a little bit prickly. They require a lot of extra effort. Well, our roses are the best employees that we've got in the call we've got in the call center. Right. But the problem is, in most organizations, we have a tendency to reward, reward roses. And what we really need to do is to challenge roses, because roses are the ones that are going to set your standards. They're the ones that are going to figure out how to how to solve a new problem. They're the ones that probably have the most optimal talk time. They're the ones that that can give you the, 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 the basics back in in training. But roses also also get the best scores. So what our customers can do for them is is it allows the roses to focus on the areas that they're looking for that maybe they want to work on, that customers can give them feedback on a particular area that they just may want to hone in and, and work on. The daisies are, are the middle of your organization, and usually you have 20% roses, 20% weeds, and then you have 60% daisies. So they're the largest part of your organization. Well, daisies, right, it's a really easy flower to grow. Right? They don't require a lot of effort. And, and the problem in most organizations is that we ignore the daisies when we really need to reward them, right? We, we very rarely have, you know, best average age of the month award, you know, where, Hey, listen, if you're the best average agent we've got, we're going to send you out for, <laughs> for lunch. It just, just doesn't happen. Right. But the problem yeah. is that they're ignored. Well, when you institute a customer program where, where you're getting feedback from customers, whether it's, you know, two comment questions or scoring, what happens is instead of getting my three to four quality monitoring 
bits of feedback that I get from my buddy who I go to lunch with every day, right? You know, mm-hmm. that used to work next to me, but got promoted into the quality monitoring position. I'm now getting 10, maybe 20, maybe 30 bits of customer feedback. The vast majority of it's probably encouraging. So the daisies who are normally ignored are getting this positive feedback from customers and some direction from us. They've got somewhere else to go to get some sort of information. And, and, and so, so, so for the daisies, the customers provide, provide you know, reinforcement and encouragement and, and obviously direction as well. And then my last group, right, which is my weeds, right, which in most organizations, you know, we're trying to figure out some sort of a strategy to give them back to the community, right? Yep. But, but in, in some instances, sometimes we're just a weed in, in a particular area, right? Maybe we're a weed in, you know, empathy or we're a weed in um, professional skills or we're a weed in, in some, some other area. Well, so now I've, I, if, if I've got a weed and I've got an attitudinal problem with the weed, well, you know what? When I get multiple customers telling them now this supervisor who's managing 15 to 20 people but has to spend extra time with this person that's struggling, I've now got this customer data. Sometimes I don't have to argue with them. I don't have to fight with them because the data is coming from customers and they can just present it. And, and obviously, if, if a, you know, sometimes our weeds can turn into daisies, right? And, and just as a note in, the, in a garden of a call center, how do you know? when your call center is booming, your call center is booming when your weeds are better than everybody else's roses. Cause you're mm-hmm. always going to have calls daisies, roses, daisies, and weeds. What we're trying to do is to make our organization so successful that, that we keep, we keep moving the bar. We keep, we keep making it better. So customers allow you to have a different strategy with, with the garden in your call center. And because there's so many, and if you're doing post-contact surveys and you're asking and, and engaging in questions, I've got this constant feedback of encouragement and direction and training that, that I don't have normally. So it allows my frontline supervisor to manage better. It allows me to be a more driven organization. And, you know, and the other thing is, 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 is it creates an environment where the rep, the rep knows who they're talking to, that they feel like they're getting some feedback and, and, and we think it makes them better. Mm-hmm. No, those, those are great points. And, you know, the roses, daisy, weeds, uh, paradigm is uh, one I think uh, people can take to heart, and the Daisies to Roses program that you're talking about is so important uh, because you know if you actually do find the ways that you mentioned to uh, motivate people to do it, but first you have to measure them properly, right? So what you're saying yeah. is those Daisies have to be identified as Daisies in an accurate format. Because if it isn't, then there won't be any credibility to your roses, daisy, weeds, uh, uh, you know, format. And uh, we see that all the time, too, where people are uh, judged based on, um, you know, monitored calls three times a month, randomly selected. Uh, you, have, you don't have a statistical um, valuation done there. It's not valid. And uh, the agents know it's not valid, so they feel resentful, and they, you know, push back on the bad ones that uh, come through. Uh, you know, it's fine to, for instance, select for bad calls if you're just looking for teachable moments. It's not okay to do that if you're using it for purposes of evaluation, because that's not fair. And I don't know how many red-faced, uh, uh, you know, managers I pointed out this out to who said, ooh, Gosh, we haven't been treating our people right, have we? So, you know, you have to have a really good program, uh, the right technology to do that. It has to bring forth a substantial number over the course of a year if you're going to use it for purposes of evaluation. 
And uh, But if you do that, then I think your Daisies to Roses program will really show the results. And uh, your, your um, approach to weeds, Michael, I think is very instructive because a lot of people do want to just turn those folks back to the community. Uh, and you've got this second look approach, which is, you know, what can we do to help out the weeds uh, become roses? And uh, moving the bar uh, is important. You have to be able to measure credibly for that bar to make sense. Uh, but when it does, then it's a thing of beauty. And I'm sure you've seen that many times. You know, it's Bruce, you uh, last night or two nights ago, the Golden State Warriors won the um, NBA championship, right? They beat the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yes. Well, yes. on the Golden State Warriors, right, they have roses, daisies, and weeds, right? They, they, they've got weeds on their team, which are their worst performers of this championship environment. And I, I always joke with people. I say, you know what, in the Olympic downhill skiing race, right, there's, there's somebody came in last, right? But I promise you they're better than, than you and I skiing or anybody that's on this, this phone skiing, right? So you're always going to have weeds, and you have to be in a position to be able to embrace them, and you have to have a plan for them. You have to have a plan for them. In order, to, in order to move your organization. So you, you just can't keep replacing them because they're, they're always going to be there, right? So what we're trying to do is we're trying to make our weeds better. And, and, and the only way to make your weeds better is to stay, have them stick around, right? Because that's the, you know, cause, cause the, only, the only worse problem than having weeds that you don't like is having massive, massive turnover, right? So if, so if I've got massive right. turnover, you know, I ask, I ask call centers all the time, it, it, you know, you better have a core competency, you know, of, of, of finding and engaging and, and bringing in new employees. You need to be great at, at hiring and welcoming and integrating new employees into your organization if, you, if you're a call center. You need to be really, really good at it because right. it's the kind of an environment where it's just going to happen. So if, if, if I'm good at it, I'm welcoming. And, and, and by the way, I think that when you bring a new hire into your organization, it ought to look a lot more like a fraternity rush or sorority rush where, where you bring people in and you help them to understand understand how it is to work in your organization. And, um, okay. you know, and that starts with, that starts with the, it starts with the manager. I mean, it starts with the leader. It starts with that frontline supervisor, you know, from the thousands of call centers that I've been into, I think a call center rep is only looking for three things, right? They want to know what their job is. They want the skills and tools necessary to do their job. And the third thing they want, and the thing that they want more than anything is they want, a, they want a manager that has their best interests in mind. It doesn't mean they want a nice manager, they want a happy manager, they want a funny manager, they want, but they want a manager, they want to know that the person that they're working for has their best interests in mind. And with those, I can create an environment that will allow people to thrive and grow for whatever the season is that they happen to be in an organization. Yeah. Well, you know, and those things that you just talked about are so important. They require thought. They require planning. They you know, require feedback. And I like your uh, analogy to fraternity rush or sorority rush. And let's make sure that we're not talking about hazing, right? <laughs> no, 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 sir. No, hazing. sir. No, sir. We're, <laughs> we want we're talking about 2017. <laughs> exactly, exactly. 2017, no hazing. No hazing, no hazing. Uh, no booze brought in, all that kind of good stuff. So, uh, yeah, and, and the, be the best interest part includes a component which is willingness to listen. And uh, so a lot of what, you know, a manager listening to this may be saying is, okay, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, and I've got to plan this, and I've got to think through that. And you do. All that's uh, very uh, important, but you also have to listen and get feedback. You know, I think about a roses uh, thing that uh, we use in scouts, which is roses, thorns, and hopes. So 
when I've done, um, you know, 10-day uh, backpacking trips. Uh, we'll get the scouts around uh, the campfire at night, and we'll, we'll go around and we'll say, what are your roses, thorns, and hopes? And the roses are, what's the good stuff that happened today? The thorns are, what's the bad stuff that happened today? Uh, and the hopes are, what am I looking for tomorrow? And that's where you get the feedback. And so uh, as you're thinking about roses, daisies, weeds, and how you're going to plan for them, don't uh, forget about, uh, you know, roses, thorns, and hopes uh, so that you get the feedback, good, bad, and uh, the, the hopes for the future from, from your people. Well, this has been really good, and the time is flying by here. Um, Brian, I know you've got some questions there. Should we go over to those now? Sure. I've got, I think, what is a thorn of a question for you guys. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Michael, this one comes from Henry, and Henry asks, what is your favorite fix when morale is low? We have a problem with it right now. So my, my favorite fix, and, and I, I'm, I'm, forgive me, I'm going to give you, um, I'm going to give you two favorite fix, right? So, so, so my, my favorite fix is always the cheapest fix that there is, which is the, the very cheap, inexpensive, usually for the first time in somebody's life, standing ovation, right? Which is that you, you know, find somebody in your center that's done something unique. Uh, maybe the last person that's had a, um, had a child, or somebody that's, you know, whatever it is, and then you simply give that person, you know, a standing ovation. It costs absolutely no money, and what you'll find is, is that invariably it's the first standing ovation they've ever gotten in the history of their life, and, um, and, it, and it creates an environment where people get to encourage and cheer for someone else other than themselves, and they usually are genuinely happy about doing it. And it's a very court, very quick, very short, but a really simple way to change the ebb and flow or the negative, um, negative part of the, um, of the center. And then, you know, in, in order to, uh, in order to avoid a bad day, you know, you know, my other one for you is, is that you just need to call, call center managers need to start great. You need to have a great start. You need to be all about starting great. And cause if you start great, you got a good shot at finishing. As we all know, if you're in a call center and you get off to a bad start, the day's gone. You know, once you get behind, you can't catch up. So, so, so be a, be a, be a great greeter, be a great starter and, um, and it'll help you as well. Yeah. Those are great, great inputs. And, uh, from things that I've seen in centers that I've been on, uh, you know, uh, the one definition of leadership is never having an off day, which is a really, really tight bar. That's tough to do. But, uh, if in fact you make it a point to be there and greet people, as you've mentioned on the way in, People who aren't used to being recognized by name. And, in fact, in one uh, center, it had very low morale, and we recommended that they do this. Within three months, people were coming back with comments like, I can't believe it. Uh, my supervisor knows my name. Uh, not only that, my manager knows my name and uh, is greeting me on the way in and, and uh, during the course of the day. So the old management by walking around, greeting people. Uh, the other thing is handwritten notes can make a uh, big difference with individuals. Obviously, because, uh, you know, people don't do that anymore. Handwritten notes are a big thing. And if you actually, uh, somebody has gone through a weekend, you're in a call center that uh, deals with, um, you know, cars that are broken down, AAA-type place, on a, and you've had to keep people over a weekend or something, and you send a, a handwritten note to them at home, okay, not only are they going to see it, but their spouse, who has been inconvenienced, is going to see it as well. And that 
that will end up, you know, uh, put on the family refrigerator, and uh, the whole family will see how that uh, individual's uh, work has been recognized and appreciated. So, anyway, those are some more thoughts. Back to, to back to Brian. Okay, great. Uh, good thoughts there. Uh, I've got a question from Sandy. Uh, evidently read your book, The Four-Minute Customer, and asking what are the major theme managers should take away from that? Well, you know what? Um, thank you for reading my book. And um, you know what? I, I think that the major theme that, that, that you come away with from the book or the, the one that I'm trying to, trying to get across is, is that Every individual in your call center is unique and special and has potential and that you need to, you need to treat them accordingly, but it must start with it might, the, the, the underlying underpinning for a manager is it must start with ownership, which means that the embracing the ownership of the rep being responsible for themselves being responsible for communication, being responsible for their statistics, being responsible for their performance. Because if you're a frontline supervisor and you've got 15 or 20 people, as, as Bruce already said, it's a very difficult struggle to get them to, um, you know, get them to, just to even keep track of people's names based on turnover rates and all the other kind of things. So if you, if you create an environment where, where the rep is responsible, they own it, then when they walk up to you and see you, they know that they're responsible to share with you how they're doing, what's going on in their personal life, um, what their statistics are, what they're working on. And you create an environment where first they own it and, and they start. And then when you do that, you create an environment that makes it easy for everybody to get managed because now when I talk to you about a challenge or an opportunity or an excitement or an award, it always starts with the fact that we both know that, that you're responsible. I have your best interests in mind and together we're going to, we're going to fix it because there's, and, and it's a very difficult concept for, people to understand and embrace, but because call centers are different, it has to start with that ownership being where it needs to be. And then from there, everything gets a lot easier in the call center. Hmm. Well, great, great answer. And actually, I'm not going to uh, add anything to that because I think there's one more question and that's all we'll have time for. So back over to Brian. Okay, great. Yeah, we're at the top or the bottom of that hour, and so uh, this is going to be tough, Michael. Uh, we're going to have to have you paraphrase this within um, 30 to 60 seconds, see if you can do it. All right, from Joe, the future of AI in the call center. What are your thoughts and predictions? Go. <laughs> in 30 seconds, we'll <laughs> solve the, the, the future of call centers. We'll you, you know what? I will say that the future, you know, the future is going to look a lot like, a lot like the past. Um, because I am a dinosaur, I was there when IVR was going to be the future and call center reps were going to go away and everything was going to be handled by the, um, by the IVR. And the reality is what was left was more complicated calls. And I think that as AI comes along, it's going to do amazing things. But what's going to be left is more complicated calls. And so the, whoever the people are that are on the phone, whether there's one or whether there's one million, right, we're still going to have the same issues because Jane, Fred, Ted, and Alice are still the same unique, special individuals that are sitting down, plugging into a phone and answering, you know, 100 people a day and trying to make it look like the very last one was like the first one. And so I think you're going to have the same issues and the same opportunities and can't wait for it because the more we can do to help, the better off we'll be. Hmm. Great answer. I mean, I think that uh, we are in for a lot of change in our industry. 
there's going to be a lot of excitement. There's going to be a certain amount of pain, and there's going to be a certain amount of displacement. But uh, it's not going to be the apocalypse now that uh, some people are talking about. And, um, you know, there, there, there's, there's going to be a lot of opportunity professionally, personally, uh, in our sector because uh, agents are not going away uh, anytime soon. So thanks very much, Michael. Listen, this has been great. Uh, we could talk, I think, for hours uh, more, but uh, we're going to have to end it here. And uh, any final words before we hand it back to Brian? My final words are thank you. <laughs> we appreciate that. Gratitude is a good thing and uh, something we probably should see more of in the call center sector as well. So uh, thank, thank you. We appreciate your being with us. And with that, over to Brian. All right. Well, thanks, guys. And I want to thank all of our listeners for joining us today. We just heard some discussions between the CEO of Bruce uh, Michael Tamer from ProPonzi and CEO Bruce Belfiore from Benchmark Portal. So I want to make sure that you uh, know that we have over seven seasons of this show on our website, BenchmarkPortal.com. Head over there and find more interesting topics that will help you make some positive changes instantly. So from all of us here at Benchmark Portal, keep those headsets steady and your fingers ready. This is Brian Carrington signing out. Have yourself a great day.